0: not Going down just because of something some stupid adults are doing. Mobile suits. Monday, Monday. Camille's a man's name, and I'm a man! Good to me. No, no carrots, please. Mobile Monday suit. Monday It was all
1: I hoped it would be. Roger that. Mobile
0: suit. Mobile suit. Monday. Although all enemies were defeated, Earth did not change one bit! The commander! <laughs> He's lost it! Every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is five! Eros! You're a soldier here, aren't you? If you want to be more than just a grunt, you better learn to see the whole picture. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm the enemy, you idiot.
1: Hey, guys, welcome back to another new type. Fantastic episode of FanHoles Mobile Suit Monday. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight. And joining me tonight is my fellow Gundam enthusiast. Why don't you give a shout-out and let everybody know who's here tonight.
0: Hey, everyone. I'm here to kick monkey ass and chew bubblegum. And I actually have a sufficient amount of bubblegum. Rest in peace, Roddy. It's Mike. <laughs> Hey,
1: alright, so, so I guess it's not like we, we totally revealed what we're actually going to be discussing, but the last time we did a Mobile Suit Mondays episode, we were talking about the Mobile Suit Gundam Crossbone manga, and we had had some discourse about trying to discuss some of the offshoots and sequels and everything that had spun out of the original Crossbone manga, and then one of the, the Specific ones is called Mobile Suit Gundam Crossbone Skullheart, which is basically a single-volume manga that contains a series of short stories written by Yuchi Hasegawa, who was the guy who originally wrote the, the previous Mobile Suit Gundam Crossbone manga that we talked about in the last episode. And this was basically published around 2002 to, like, 2004. And it takes place three years after the Mobile Suit Gundam Crossbone manga. And the the, the one-shot, basically, is, or the, the, the you know one-volume manga, basically has these five short stories that detail the adventures of the Crossbone Vanguard Space Pirates, and this is what we're going to be basically talking about tonight. So I guess we can just start with the first short story, which was one of my favorites, I think which was called An Idiot Pulls Through in a Ball. And I guess technically it's, it's set in UC-133-like Mobile Suit Gundam Crossbone, but the character is telling you a story about the Battle of Solomon, you know, about the One Year War. So technically I guess most of the story takes place in 0079. But we're introduced to a character who is known as the Star Princess. I don't think we know that at the time, but her official name is Stella Rabaradu Twink. So we can have loads of fun with that name (laughs) because we've got this cute, bubbly little star princess girl who also happens to be named Twink. And she basically is chronicling the events surrounding the Jupiter War, and she wants to provide an accurate assessment and, and you know, documentation of everything that's actually occurred. She's kind of like the harbinger of the Mobile Suit Gundam Crossbone Vanguard crew and everything. And so she ends up overhearing one of the older members of the Crossbone Vanguard space pirates, which is Uman Samon, and he's one of the older guys who's kind of pervy, and I believe he even had some lines of dialogue where he kept saying, I was in the one year war, like I took out six Gundams with a ball and everything. And like, you're like, you didn't know. I think, I think when I first heard him say that in the original manga, you know, the original crossbone manga, I was kind of like, well, I don't know if he's blowing smoke up our ass or if this somehow really happened. And this is kind of like the, 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 crazy wacky hijinks of how that officially did happen like this is a story from the final battle of the one-year war you know and then it basically details how he came to destroy six doms and and it's it's a kind of funny story I mean I I thought it was kind of funny I mean it, it obviously it's I guess it is true so it puts my my speculation to rest you know whether he was blowing smoke up people's asses and he was just you know talking a big game but didn't actually do anything but then at the same time like it, a lot of it is happy accident that he he made it through this battle in one piece because kind of the the idiocy of it all is that he, he isn't a ball and his big bright idea as a young man, cause, you know, we, we only know him as this kind of balding, skinny, Dr. Wily looking guy who's part of the Crossbone Vanguard space pirate crew. And in his youth, you know, obviously he's, you know, he's much younger. He's not balding. And he's like, well, the only way I'm going to survive this is if everybody's scared of me and everyone's scared of the RX-78 Gundam. So his big bright idea is to put a Gundam face in a plate, which is basically like designed to look like the RX-78 on his ball, and he thinks he's just gonna scare everybody through this battle, like frighten them so much that they, you know, if they're so afraid of, uh, you know, the RX-78 and Amuro Ray's new type skills, that they'll just leave him alone during this whole battle. And then I guess he has this ulterior motive where he, his commander, I guess, is this pretty young lady, and he also sort of wants to, I guess, either impress her or just live through it so that he can actually sort of make some moves on her and everything. And, like, this is – were you excited to see, like – because I, I know, like, one of the first things is obviously this takes place during the Battle of Solomon, and then, you know, one of the first names that's dropped from – previous gundam series and everything that i noticed was Annabelle Gato, so i thought that was pretty cool like (laughs) i i know you're a pretty big fan so were you like excited just that he was part of this sort of uh i don't know rosencrantz and gildenstern you know tag and bank-esque telling of of the battle of solomon
0: i think i like when they add stuff that was like added later on to like like, the canon or whatever, and they acknowledge it in, like, a... I, I, I've, like, obviously, Annabelle Gatto did not exist when the original series was airing. But, you know, after 0083, and, like, I, like, I kind of like that they would acknowledge something like that in something that that is like I, I guess I feel like this manga feels more directly connected to like Tamino's work than 0083 like felt like 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 in comic book terms like 0083 felt like some kind of offshoot mini series, whereas this seems like a like legit thing or something I I, I don't know like, Crossbone Gundam felt, like, sort of more legit connection to the, like, UC timeline, I guess. I, th- I thought it was funny, because, like, y- like, the first time I watched 0083, I was kind of like, like, bullshit, you were there! Like, if you were there, like, how can you do anything? Like, if you're so fucking awesome, like, Kato. And this kind of, like, explains that in like, yeah. a funny way, which I thought was hilarious. Where. like yeah. They they kind of explain that, like, people see, like, the ball with the Gundam face on it, and they think it's, like, the Gundam's head floating around. So they're like, oh, the Gundam must have been destroyed. Like, so that's awesome. Like, so the word reaches Gato, and he's like, oh, well, then we can, like, a- abandon our post and, like, push forward. And that, like, kind of allows, like, the real Gundam to, like, slip by, like, their blockade. So, like, I yeah, thought that was a really funny, like, kind of retcon or, or explanation.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the no prize of like why you basically what you're saying, like Ivana Delgato was really the nightmare of Solomon and he was so awesome and he killed like a gabillion balls or whatever. Like why, why did he not even ever confront, you know, Amor O'Rey? And so this is, this is kind of like just detailing how there was like so much false intel. And, and like the, the other thing that was kind of funny about that is there's that moment where sometimes all the Xeon soldiers can see is the head of the ball and they assume that there's this 40 meter body below it. And they're like, Oh my God, we're estimating with the size of that head, like it must be, it must be at least 40 meters tall. Like this is, this is insane. And, and apparently that info gets back to the people that are responsible for designing and building Char's Xeong. And so, like, there's that also that weird correlation of, well, you know, they had gotten the false intel that the Gundam was 40 meters high, thus
0: the Xeong
1: was actually created with the intent to match that false intel from, from Uman's adventures in the ball. So they were trying to, like, make something they thought was a match for this, this sort of fictional you know, imagined opponent or whatever. And I like how they try to rationalize some of the other soldiers that kind of like they there going, well, yeah, of course he was 40 meters tall. I mean, how else could the Black Tri-Stars have lost to to a single suit? Like, it must it must have been huge. It must have been, like, giant." <laughs>
0: yeah, like, and they, know, they, 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 like, imagine, like, that, like, it's like an art, like, their imagination of the Gundam being, like, a giant, like, you know, throwing the, like, Black Tri-Stars around or whatever
1: yeah it's like it's almost like he's juggling them or something like that but yeah it, it it's pretty amusing I mean the, the whole thing's kind of amusing, like even the the way that that he ends up surviving i mean yes, some of it is you know initially they think it's just a a severed head and that it's just floating around, spinning around in space, but then you know some people even get wise to the fact that it's you know it's this ball with the Gundam face and they try to go after it. But then, even even at that point, it's like it's almost like this Vash the Stampede level of. I mean, I guess Vash is doing it intentionally. It's that whole Clark Kent, you know, whoops, I tripped, but but that trip actually like saved like twenty pigs and you know forty people from being electrocuted or whatever. But
0: in this case,
1: I mean, it, it definitely seems to be all pure accident because. You know, Uman is obviously, you know, he's, he's basically, uh, you know, essentially, I mean, he's kind of almost, it's like he, he's not a deserter, but, but in some sense there is that, you know, element of cowardness to him where it's like, oh, I can't actually survive this in a damn ball. So, like, my only solution is I'm going to put a Gundam face on it and pray to God or whatever, you know, that I don't get exploded or whatever in this battle. And and then most of the fights, it just seems like he's, he's just spinning around aimlessly, and then he kind of gets lucky because of all, you know, they, they kind of go into the description of, well, the inertia in space, you know, it still results in damaging all these other Xeon mobile suits when he crashes into them with this ball with a Gundam face. And then on top of that, like, he's got this cannon that he's got, you know, of course, attached the, to the forehead, I guess, of the the giant Gundam ball or whatever. And then that blows away some of the characters. And and he, I mean, basically, he makes it out okay, and he, he even saves his pretty commander, and then much to his chagrin,
0: when he's actually
1: snuggled up to her because they're, like, sharing the, the cockpit in the the mobile suit when he saved her and everything. Like, that, I think, is the first time he's ever noticed that she has a wedding ring. So it's kind of like, this, he's got all these big plans, but he didn't actually like think it through. So, so, I mean, there's lots of, there's lots of kind of comedy and, and humor in the story, even though, I mean, obviously it's like this major serious battle and everything, but I think that's why I kind of compare it to a, a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern or a tag and think type scenario, because it's like, it's this side story and it's played for laughs ultimately, but it's, it's, inserted into something that is pretty renowned you know whether it be hamlet or you know the end of mobile suit gundam
0: i also like the explanation he got for telling like the the crossbone vanguard to put the skull emblem on their gundams where it's like those doms that attacked him had like what that was like their emblem and he was like that scared the shit out of me when i was a (laughs)
1: kid or whatever
0: so like put that on our gundams like there's like a flat. Well, it isn't a flashback, but Kincaid is kind of like, well, I guess so. I mean, it seems kind of showy, but yeah, yeah, that seems like a good idea. But
1: yeah, so you're you're, you're finding out like all these kind of happenstances and coincidences
0: that led to
1: what you know, basically what you know is the current setup of these characters and, and how the crossbone then came to be, and then also, you know, I I, I guess in some sense it was kind of like, oh, that's kind of neat, like to know that that he wasn't. I mean, essentially, he wasn't blowing smoke up anybody's ass. He did legitimately take out all six of those doms you know it's just it's just kind of like this wacky you know oh, I'm spinning that's a neat trick and 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 of course he <laughs> takes out all these doms while doing it
0: and and even even
1: the the xeon troopers are just kind of like, This is so ridiculous, I can't believe I'm losing to this guy like yeah clearly... like,
0: we're veterans of you know yeah stuff like, like I'm,
1: that. I'm, you know and 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 he kinda he even has that one sort of shiro amada moment where it's like i'm gonna marry anna and we're gonna have kids and they're like the commander's lost it where you know uman basically just kind of like yeah i am trash like that's right and and i i'm gonna keep being trash like nobody's gonna kill me you know so and and, and i think at that point that's when he like shoots off the faceplate of the gundam and it actually takes out like the last doll and everything so I you know I I enjoyed it I thought it was I thought it
0: was fun yeah I thought it was very humorous like I I could see some people being like like oh well, that didn't happen or whatever but I you know I think the it, it's kind of like stories of like you know the the adventures of like Jet Porkins at the Battle of Yavin or whatever <laughs> like I don't know but.
1: no that's that's a fun way a fun comparison too cause that's you know obviously like you, you don't you don't take all that stuff super serious but at the same time, you're like, I, I don't know, I wouldn't, I, I, I'm not going to call the guy a liar now, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm like, well, I guess, yeah, I guess that did happen, you know,
0: so. Uh, yeah, I, I liked all the retcons, and I liked the, the, the mention of, like, Gato, and it, like, it kind of, like, like I said, it kind of explained why he wasn't around.
1: I have informed the men we are retreating from a bow We must live on to carry out the will of our leader.
0: <clears throat> you mean to live on in shame? Forget it, I'm going to fight! No! Uh,
1: for now you must endure. Until the day we can regain our glory, you must put your life in my
0: hands. You will follow my orders on this one. Understood?
1: So I guess we'll we'll conclude up on the Idiot Pulls Through in a Ball segment. That's one of the first short stories, so I think we both kinda like that. But then the the next short story is entitled The Planet's Princess. And I, I did mention this character before because she's kind of the, the framework for, you know, the telling of all these stories because the idea is this, this girl, Stella Rabaduro, or what is it? Rabber Radu, Rabber Radu Twink. I, I can't say that with a straight face. So I'm going <laughs> to call her the Star Princess because I can't be like, oh dude, it's Twink. So you, you've got the Star Princess, right? And this is basically her, her origin story I guess because she's she's you know on the crossbone Vanguard ship documenting a lot of these stories but this basically details like well how did they how did they meet this character? Like they didn't know her back in the original crossbone Gundam manga so so this is basically detailing sort of how they originally met. And just you know, real real quick synopsis: the Mother Vanguard is continuing in its journey from Jupiter in order to reach the Earth sphere in order to, to warn them of this impending attack from the Jupiter fleet traveling there themselves. So this is this is ostensibly this is like a sort of like side story within the original manga that you know you're basically like oh you never you never saw this but they met the Star Princess in between this point in time and then they approach an asteroid where a group of Jovian forces suddenly attack them, and in order to defend themselves, the Mother Vanguard launches mobile suits in order to protect themselves, but then, once they launch the mobile suits, like, Tobia gets shot down, and he crash-lands on the asteroid, and then this is where he's rescued by the Star Princess, and, you know, obviously, you know, to him, it's just a, a little girl that's claiming to be the princess of this asteroid and everything. And, I mean, I... I, I, I will go out and just say, like, this this probably wasn't, like, the highlight of this volume of manga. It's not like I was like, oh, yeah, this totally kicked ass. I mean, it introduces the character, uh, the star princess. There, there's some interesting ideas because I guess, you know, she she does have some tragic backstory to her where basically, you know, the the Jupiter Empire basically, you know, Murdered this girl's parents and everything, and then they took all these, this asteroid's resources for themselves. So it, it'd be basically like if your house was, you know, I don't know, on, on, uh, an oil derrick or something, and then somebody just basically came into your house, like killed your parents, and took over the oil derrick, sucked it dry, and then was like, you know, just sort of making fun of you afterwards, where, like, she she meets Tobia. She All she knows of people other than her parents is what she's read in books. So she's, like, constantly comparing Tobia to Peter Pan. Like, she thinks he is Peter Pan, like, that maybe he's going to fly off with her to Never Never Land or something like that. And so she's a little... She's not quite all there at this point, I guess. And she basically, like, clunks him in the back of the head and she thinks, like, if she delivers him to the Jupiter Empire, they'll give her back her her kingdom, you know, her asteroid or whatever, you know. And they just kind of laugh her off and everything. And then, of course, by that point, Tobia wakes up and, you know, the, the Crossbone Vanguard pirates are there and they kind of, you know, take all those guys out. And then, you know, basically it sort of ends with her going, well, you know, come back and see me again and all that kind of stuff. And that basically... You know, then of course they go off to save the day in the original manga, but that sort of sets up how, where they knew her from and why she's on the ship now
0: chronicling
1: their adventures. So, I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't have too much more to say about it myself, but what what did you think about this?
0: I think the standout thing from this story for me was actually like an action beat, like I loved the whole bit where, like, Tobia got in his mobile suit, and at this point he's only, like, riding, like, that sort of cannon fodder suit that has, that turns into, like, a giant, like, battering ram with a beam, like, axe in front of it, basically. And, like, at one point, like, his suit's kind of crippled, but the beam axe still works, so he has, like, Kinkato shows up in the X1, and he has Kinkato pick up his mobile suit and, like, use it as a giant, like, melee weapon, basically, which I thought was pretty awesome, and cut, like, you know, a friggin' thing right in half. So I thought that was pretty awesome. But, I mean, other than that, yeah, like you said, it aside from introducing, like, Twink and stuff, like, it, it was kind of forgettable.
1: Introducing Twink? <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't, yeah, that yeah. makes me crack up. I am the Royal Princess Relihimana Mia de la Croa. It's a pleasure to meet you.
0: Your Highness, these are my companions whom I brought with me from the other dimension as you commanded me. Princess, I'm
1: Shoot. My name is Captain Gundam, Your Highness. Thank you very much, everyone. I appreciate the danger you endured to rescue me. So I guess moving on to the the next chapter or installment of Heart. Uh, we have Skull, Skull Heart, Skull I'm getting confused with uh, Green Lantern, <laughs> uh, so Skull Heart, yeah, the next chapter is Skull Heart, we've got Pirate's Booty, and of course, Pirate's Booty, now we're getting into the, the stuff that is more, I guess, traditionally a sequel, because this is set in 135 Universal Century, and quick synopsis, Harrison Martin of the Federation forces is engaging the crossbone vanguard intent on protecting a mail carrier as he believes the pirates are going to steal the ship's cargo. However, unbeknownst to Lieutenant Harrison, the crew of the mail carrier are being held hostage by a group of Jovian soldiers intent on extorting the Federation forces to keep one of their oldest secrets. So basically this is, I I don't know, like when I first read this, I thought, Oh, okay, that's kind of cool. We're going to get to see a, a Harrison Solo story because he was, you guys remember from the last Crossbone manga episode, he was the guy who was driving around in the F ninety one that actually still worked for the Federation, and it, it starts out that way. I mean, he's definitely given the assignment. He, you know, he's supposed to, you know, I mean, basically, it seemed like the, you know, more of the shady, shady Federation of that era of the Universal Century where. You know, all the higher-ups basically don't care about who lives and dies. They just care about keeping this, this you know, embarrassing secret hushed up and everything. So, basically, everyone else is expendable as long as he, he, you know, keeps the secret out of the Jupiter Empire's hands and everything. And, uh, I mean, for me, it was kind of interesting because it's like it starts out as a Harrison story, but then, I mean, it pretty much quickly like, devolves into being just another Tobia story. Because then, you know, it's like the Crossbone Vanguard pirates show up, and they're also involved, so you've got, like, you know, three different forces that are all, you know, surrounding this, you know, ship, and and they're trying to get, you know, what they think is important to them. And, you know, I mean, ultimately, uh, to me, the best part of it was when they finally get the pirate's booty, which to the the Crossbone Vanguard folks was the the mail from the mail carrier, and and the package is actually photos from you know Kincaido and Bararona or Seabook and Cecily, and you know that's kind of like the last page reveal or whatever, and you get to see like oh look they they got married on Earth, you know they had a kid and. You know, now they're they're slowly watching the, the kid grow up and everything. And I'm like, Oh, that's kinda nice. I mean that 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 was a nice way to end it and everything. But it, it did strike me as odd as like I at first I thought maybe it was gonna be like Harrison's you know, Gaiden or Harrison's solo story or something like that. And even though it sort of I I guess in this case it was just Harrison was there to set up the the stakes and, and what you know, the rules of, of the the short story and then they went ahead and
0: yeah. uh, he, he kind of was
1: dropped after that was set up. And then, and then we basically,
0: yeah. Uh,
1: it, focused on, Vanguard
0: yeah. But eventually it just kind of, at the end, he's kind of like, I'll turn a blind eye to you guys. Like again, like just cause I think you guys are cool. Like, so I, I think, I don't know if it was the, the translator or whatever, but I enjoyed all the, the Spider-Man references in this story. Like, where, I don't know if that was, like, an embellishment or not, but, at a, like, Tobia says at one point to, like, the, the Jovian guys, like, it's just your friendly neighborhood space pirate, like, and then, like... The- <laughs> I don't know, maybe it wasn't there, because later on, like, those Jovians use, like, spider-themed, like, mobile suits that shoot, like, sort of restraining, quote-unquote, webs and stuff, so I was wondering if that was, like, act- in the actual script, like, the Japanese, like, script, but who knows, but I, I thought that was kind of cute. It- at the end, like, of the of Skullheart, there's, like, a mobile suit data file, and those-, those mobile suits are called aranyas, like, which is Spanish for spider, so later became what
1: the spider girl or whatever
0: oh yes spider girl number four maybe i don't
1: know
0: the one one of the ones that no one cares about basically
1: the one the one john made, right yes (laughs) all right yeah i mean that that's kind of i mean that's basically pirate's booty i mean i i thought it was cool i mean i i i don't know that it, it, like I said it didn't go exactly the way I expected, but that doesn't mean I just disliked it you yeah know, the, the I, pay
0: I, like you said, the payoff was cool, yeah 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 i i I enjoyed that, I guess it sets up Harrison as being sort of more of a dec, like a decent guy more like like we already knew he was kind of a decent guy, but it, it even if he got his spot like stolen it was like it was a nice showcase for his decency again,
1: yeah, i kind of I guess. With the context of this piece, it kind of reminds you like, oh well, even though he's with the Federation and most people at this point in time with the Federation were kind of douchebags. It's like he was the one shining light where it's like, oh he's not he's a pretty decent guy and you know he does what's right and everything and it just it serves to remind you because we, we will see Harrison again later on in in this volume. so it, it basically, Maybe maybe it's a good what do they call it? Like the the setup in a volleyball. You know, it's a good setup for the
0: spikes Serve, yeah. We gotta get out of this place. If the last thing we ever do. In Country has re-upped for another tour and we've been reassigned. Now you can find this complete look at Marvel Comics The Nom on the Two True Freaks Network. So join me, Tom Paneries. For In Country, a podcast covering Marvel Comics The Nom, every two weeks at 2TrueFreaks.com.
1: I guess moving on, we will look at the next piece in the manga, which is a two part piece. But the entire story is called The Ultimate Soldier. And this is set in Universal Century 136. So this is, you know, mainly what the, the primary synopsis was talking about, you know, set three years after the Crossbone Gundam manga. And quick synopsis, Tobia is seen relaxing while on a job when he is approached by a man named Gray Stoke wants to hire him and his associates for a mission to rescue Amaro Ray. After the crossbone pirates successfully break into a Jovian research facility where they discover the Jovians are intent on mass-producing numerous biocomputers for use in the new mobile suit called the Amakusa. So, that's basically what goes on during this... Chapter: The Ultimate Soldier. This I thought was pretty cool, actually. I mean, there's, uh, I mean, you know, of course, spoilers. You know, I guess. I don't know. They 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 don't really. I mean, it's pretty subtle in there. They don't make
0: it obvious who Mister. I I don't know. I don't know Stoke is. Yeah, but if if you're a Gundam fan, like you can figure it out basically.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's you know the 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 end the suspense. You know, it Gray Stoke is an alias for. Judal ashta from double zeta gundam and so and then the other thing that's interesting is you know and they do bring this up in in the story but even even the old man who we talked about in the beginning the first chapter is kind of like well didn't amuro ray get like you know like you know and then they they talk about well he went quote unquote missing you know with char's last you know, onslaught against the earth and everything. You know, basically they're referencing the end of events that occurred during Shar's counterattack with the whole crazy blue cupcake tea sphere and their souls chasing Walla around again and again and again, you know, kind of doing the whole circular thing. And so you're kind of like, well, who, who is there really to rescue? You know, like, what, what does he mean? And so what he actually means is, what what they're talking about is the recovery of the combat data that was used, you know, that was installed in his Gundam. So it basically, you know, I guess w- what they end up doing is they take that combat data and the Jupiter Empire decides they want to make clone warriors out of that combat data. Now This is something I wanted to ask you, though, Mike, because I was kind of curious, because I had to go back and look at it again and I'm like, well, I don't know. It could be like you're speculating about the the Spider-Man stuff. It could be like some kind of translation thing, but I I wouldn't think so because you'd think a name would be in, you know, I mean, I don't know why you would throw in a name to something that was mistranslated or whatever, but, you know, Greystoke or Judau, I guess old Judao says that, Dogati wanted to make the clones of Amaro, because he says the president wants to make them. And I was just kind of thinking, but this is set like three years after, so isn't Crux Dogati dead? Like, so do they have a new president? Like, did the Jupiter Empire still keep going? Like, I I just wasn't sure what that meant, or who it was. Uh, Was that just a mistake? Or,
0: I I don't know. The the way I took it was, it was like remnants of the the Jovian. Troops or something, okay. yeah.
1: So like some some other
0: some other guy became the president, basically. Yeah, either that or like like they they were still working on it even though like Dogati had died or whatever.
1: Oh, like that—that that was one of his you know kind of orders and, and stuff before. He yeah. Went ahead and okay,
0: yeah. I guess
1: I guess that makes sense. It seems like we've been, it's been three years, but like okay. But yeah, I, I was kind of. Like, that was something I had to go back and look at again. because I was like, did I read that right? You know? Like, so. I, I was kind of, I mean, there, there's lots of fighting that goes on, basically. But they, they, you know, basically they break into where they're making all these clones and everything. And, of course, a mobile suit, the Amakusa, comes out, which has the, you know, basically, essentially the, the full frontal version of Amaro Re, I guess, is the best way to put it.
0: Yeah, it looks like a masked Gundam, basically. Yeah,
1: yeah, and 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 it looks like it's kind of a hodgepodge of popular mobile suits. Like I, I kind of got a little bit of a Double O eighty three vibe, a little bit of a Stardust Memory vibe from the suit, but then it also kind of had other vibes of like different suits, like kind of a hodgepodge. Of... I
0: think I think the thing that made me most think of like the RX seventy eight was when it made makes the hammer like the ball and chain with the hammer so okay okay
1: that makes sense and and so like that that to me like like that suit basically comes out and starts attacking our our heroes the guys that we've come to know and everything and and I did I did get slightly worried because I was like oh man are they going to kill off Uman after they told us that funny story and I mean he looks like he's seriously hurt but it looks like you know Judah and Tobia are the ones that are going to stay behind, you know, and and fight off this, you know, this kind of bizarro version of Armor Array or whatever. And so they're like the other pilots and and mobile suit folks get him, you know, the old man out of the way and everything so that, you know, he doesn't actually croak.
0: And then, you know, I
1: mean, ultimately, I mean, I I think they had a pretty cool fight. Like, I mean, I I enjoyed the fight that they had. It, It seemed like, I don't know, but, like, sometimes I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but my my take on things though, always, when I watched the anime was that Judau was, like, the most powerful new type ever, or at least like, that's the way I felt when I watched Double Zeta Gundam anyway. Like, because it seemed like he was doing things that clearly surpassed Camille and Amor Array in terms of, like, crazy stuff. But he, he does have a scene where he talks about the history of amor o with Tobia. And to Tobia, it's just somebody in a history book, but to Judah, it's somebody that, you know, uh, I mean, essentially he was a contemporary. with. Like, I mean, it's not like they were good buddies
0: or anything, but you know, they may knew. have met. Yeah. It's like so, possible yeah, yeah. that they met yeah,
1: possible. So. That they, 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 their paths crossed, you know, so it's not, it's not quite out of the realm of possibility. So I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe he is speaking, you know, the truth there or whatever. But I, you know, in my head, I was just thinking, well, man, like you know, Judau was the kind of Franklin Richards type guy where he was just like, all right, um, fucking new type, and now like everybody <laughs> fall over and bow to me, you know, basically. And I was kind of like, I don't remember Amor Ray. I mean, Amor Ray is super cool, but I just don't remember him doing anything as ostentatious as Judau did. So so there was that kind of thing in the back of my head that was like scratching my brain kind of going, "Well, did Amuro ever do it? and I was like, I can't I can't remember Amuro ever doing stuff like that did." But that, maybe that's just me, but that's that's kind of how I you know the, the that's basically what I was thinking of when I sort of read this piece and everything. And and I guess ultimately like, you know, even though it is a full-frontal, you know, Bizarro type clone of Amuro Ray, it seems like ultimately that proves Proves their, well, I guess it proves the Jupiter Empire's undoing, but it also serves as a savior to Judao and Tobia because it looks like they're going to be trapped and they'll be totally, you know, the, you know, it looks like they're going to die, but I guess the, it's like the, the, the clone tank that houses like all the clone brains or whatever, like basically like he spears them, you know, away out of the, you know, out of harm, you know, basically like kind of new types them out of there, you know, and just like, you know, run Luke, run, you know, go past this door, like make a left on the corner, Luke, you know, it's, it's like the, the hologram of jor or whatever, you know, like that kind of thing, like, and then make a left and then duck, and then punch that person in the ball. Congratulations, <laughs> escape, you know. But, I mean, ultimately, I guess the, the moral it's supposed to be, I guess, espousing is, you know, okay, well, they may have thought they made the perfect soldier and all this other stuff, but part of what made the new types great is their their feelings and their ability to sort of sense things beyond I guess the rational or logical or, you know, just what, what's in front of their eyes. You know, there is there is kind of a spiritual aspect to being a new type where you sort of trust in your your instincts and, and what you feel. And so, you know, that seems to extend to even these kind of warped clones because ultimately they kind of sensed their own and sort of guided them, you know, out into safety as opposed to, you know, trying to take them down, you know, with, with the ship and everything.
0: Yeah, I thought that was cool. I liked, like, as far as, like, the as I said, like, the hammer made me think of the RX-78. Like, I like how old man Judao's, like, mobile suit had, like, the double-barreled rifle on its, like, right arm, which made me think of the double Zeta. So, like, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's that's your visual cue, basically.
1: Yeah, it seemed like it was just kind of, like, a a dirty, beat-up, like, disguised version of the Double Veda ultimately.
0: Yeah. And I, I like, like, the story opens up, like, with Tobia in, like, a junkyard, and like, it seems like, he, like he, his mobile suit is, like, a sort of, like, uh, industrial, like, cleanup mobile suit, and Judau says, you know, I think we'd find something interesting if we looked under the hood of that mobile suit. And it turns out it's just the X-1 like, skull Heart underneath all of the armor and stuff, so... But yeah, yeah, I thought this was an interesting thing, and you know, it was cool to have like Jude around and to be like an Obi Wan to Tobia and all that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I enjoyed that. I mean, I I think I think it's a it's a similar trope to his interactions with Cato because it's like, like they're both old school Gundam guys you've seen in animes, and they both have aliases now, so they're not who they say they are. You know, they're all doing the the, the char Shar Asnoble slash Quattro Vegina trope I guess but it I don't know it I guess it's a nice change of pace from from the the you know the previous manga because you know Seabook can go off and have his happy ending and they they I mean I don't I don't know how it goes in any of the other sequels but it seems like they sort of left him alone for this one pretty much you know it's like oh he can go off and have his happy ending and you know, it's not like Ben Riley's gonna come back and be like, Peter, you gotta be Spider-Man again. It's like, you got to go off and, you know, get married and have a kid and be happy and stuff. So,
0: as far as I know,
1: like, that that holds up.
0: So. Yeah. I also liked at the end where they, they like you said, they kind of, like, I guess like, like, Judah and uh, Tobia are stuck in the, like, fortress or whatever while it's being destroyed and Tobia, like, feels like he hears a voice like, calling him and the, I guess, like, the clone, one of the clone tanks that, they, that like, is based on, like, Amuro Ray like, leads them out of there, basically. And, like, Judo kind of tells him, like, about the story of how Amuro was, like, trapped in Aobao while it was exploding, and how he used his, like, new type senses to, like, lead the way out, basically. So, I right, thought that right, was a right. nice, yeah, nice little, like, throwback. Yeah, no, that's
1: a good callback to, to the original series. And, and I guess that, that illustrates, you know, it's sort of like a comparison of, oh, well, what's happening to us now is, is what Amuro did back then, basically. You yeah. know, and, and, you know, maybe they're, even, even though it's a bizarro clone of Amuro, maybe it has some kind of kinship with these folks, you know, cause they're both, you know, they're, they're both main characters, you know, like Amuro, they're both new types, you know, like that kind of thing, so. I like guess they can they can ultimately speak the same
0: language to one another. I feel like like the appearance of Judah was like kind of like something I guess something a little bit rare I guess like it feels like sometimes you don't always see what happens to these like protagonists after their series ends. It's, it's I guess it's nice to know that like you know Judah was it's like reassuring to know that he's like still out there basically like. You know, if I saw like an older Camille or whatever still like bumming around, I'd be like, "Oh, that's nice." You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It,
1: I I guess it's nice to know that that
0: you know folks get you know like
1: even even with Seabook Book and Cecily, I'm like, "Oh, it's nice to know that they had some kind of happy ending." I mean, I remember at some point there were I I, I don't know where I read it, but it might have been in interviews or some place or whatever. But I there there was some talk of including. You know, scenes of Camille and Fa on Earth during Char's counterattack.
0: I think, yeah, like so they're like, they're mentioned in the novel, basically, yeah. where they're they're kind of like living a peaceful life, and Camille's like, like, what kind of shit are they getting up to up there? And like, he's <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: like, never mind, I'm not interested anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you know, I I think those are those are nice to see, you know, the, some of the lead characters. You know, it's, it's not all tragic ends and yeah. you know, death, and sorrow, and all that kind of stuff.
0: Hey, Double Zeta, what's happening? You're not getting your way. Ha <laughs> ha! Who's next?
1: And then I think we are now going to move on to the. What is it? The uh, I'm I'm going to mess this up because it's French, but the, the 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 piece that the Resistance of of the the. <laughs> the manga. Basically, this is entitled The Monkey Satellite. And of course, it is again set in Universal Century 136. The synopsis very briefly. Harrison Martin is briefed on his upcoming operation by his superior officer. On what were originally thought to be attacks that were carried out by renegade space pirates around the area of Site-2, in fact turned out to be a lone modified Zaku suit being piloted by Dun Dun
0: Dun!
1: A monkey While his superior acknowledges the seriousness of the situation, he can't even assign a Federation vessel to escort them to the location in question. However, he has arranged alternative transport via Black Row Shipping. So, I, I mean, just basically, the, the long and short of it is Black Row Shipping is ultimately the cast of the Crossbone Vanguard. Pirates you know it's it's their you know secret identity, their civilian modes and and their the way they can sort of travel in secret but also be in the open at the same time and since Harrison's never actually seen tobia and and all those folks before he's only fought them you know mobile suit to mobile suit, all he knows is the the skull heart, and so he has no idea that he's actually kind of doing this this weird secret rival fusion thing with with the Crossbone Vanguard crew and everything. Now, this I thought was interesting because I think this delivered on... I mean, again, it's kind of like the first story. It's kind of wacky. It's kind of ridiculous. I mean, you've got monkeys piloting Xeon mobile suits and everything. But, I mean, this is... I mean, even though... Black Rose Shipping shows up and everything, and it is a rival fusion of sorts. Like, I, I think this was ultimately Harrison's side story, you know? Like And and then, of course, the, one, of the, one of the first things that cracks me up is when when he, they first meet the Black Rose Shipping crew. It's kind of like, geez, don't I know you guys from somewhere? And they're shaking hands. And, you know, there's some funny stuff with Tobia where it's like, you know, Toby's sitting there kind of, like, looking, and then it's like this funny thing where... There's an arrow pointing to Toby, and it's like, knows that he fought like Harrison before, <laughs> you know, even though Harrison doesn't remember or whatever. Like, so it's just like funny, funny kind of stuff like that. And of course, the thing that cracked me up the most is it turns out Harrison is a Char because he totally like, you know, loses his shit when the star princess, you know, uh, Stella Twink shows up and everything it's like, oh my, hello. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I like his men are all embarrassed about it. Yeah, they're like, like he's a really good guy. He's a great pilot.
1: And we like his taste in mobile suits. He's got an F91 that's painted blue. Like, everything's pretty much good. Except I of a tennis you a little too young for the ladies. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, it's kind of like that. I mean, I don't know. It, it doesn't get, like, icky or anything. It's just, it just seems to take a special interest in the princess as well. But, you know, nothing nothing ever kind of is realized, so there's nothing, like, yucky like that. But, um, the, the, you know, I mean, ultimately what's kind of cracking me up about this, and there is, I don't know, again, I didn't even think of this when you said it with the Spider-Man stuff. But, I mean, you know, it could be You could be the translator having fun, you know, tying it into things or whatever, but like, I mean, ultimately you can't help, but not think of planet of the apes when you see this, because, you know, basically what it turns out is some, you know, some Daikun family member just decided, well, you know, it sucks that all our Zeon troops, you know, our good, able bodied men are getting killed doing all this mobile suit fighting. It's like, Well, I once saw a monkey play Pac-Man, thus I can teach them how to, you know, how to use and operate mobile suits. And so they, I guess they do teach a monkey how to do that, and then they clone that monkey over and over again. And so basically what's happening now is you're seeing, you know, clones of monkeys from, you know, 60 years before. And that's who was attacking all these ships and everything. And then they even get into a fight with all the, the monkeys in the various mobile suits. And like, there's like these four armed monkey custom barbaresses and stuff. And there's like, you know, a scene where basically like Harrison's like fighting with all the, the, the monkeys in the Xeon mobile suits. And like, instead of it being like,
0: come here,
1: sure! you know, like whoever's screaming it, you know, you know you know whichever fighter instead, like Harrison's kind of like
0: damn dirty apes <laughs>
1: he's like you know basically you know launching his engines towards them and everything like that, putting them in the afterburners and stuff so i I don't know it was kind of funny and then and then and then it it just doesn't stop like it keeps escalating because then they find out that not only are they cloned monkeys, not only do they pilot mobile suits. Not only are there mobile suits four-armed mobile suits, but in addition, the monkeys are new types. So it's like the monkeys are like, ooh,
0: ooh, ah, ah,
1: and then insert, you know, new type noise here. Because it's like, you know, oh, shit, like, now the monkeys are new types and stuff. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought ultimately it was kind of funny. I mean, you know, it's really Harrison doing most of the fighting. You know, the Crossbone Gundam does swoop in and help out during the fight and everything, but I mean, it, it's very much, you know, Clark Kent style and secret because, you know, Harrison never finds out that it was Tobia, you know, and and then when he gets back to the ship, it's kind of like, oh, you know, geez, where'd that crossbone guy come from? And everybody's like, what a dumbass. You and, know, and like.
0: Tobia looks at the reader and winks. Yeah, yeah, basically. It's like,
1: know, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed that this was, you know, because I, I, I thought that other story was going to be Harrison's side story. And then when it wasn't, I was kind of like, oh, that's too bad. What a waste. But then, you know, in this case, it's like, I think this seems fully realized as, as Harrison's side story. And it, yeah, I mean, the monkey stuff is kind of goofy, but it was fun. I mean, I, I, I thought it was a better Harrison focus than the the
0: Pirate's Booty section. Yeah, for sure, definitely. I thought I thought it was funny when it's like Tobia and the princess and whoever else is there, like Yona or whoever, they're all trying to imagine which of the zombies would have probably done something like this. And I think it seems yeah, like they yeah. settle on Garma, like they all yeah. start thinking of him. But it, it never really says which of the zombies like put this project forward, so
1: Yeah, they don't they don't really settle on any one person in particular it seems like they're thinking of everybody at first, like all the males anyway. Because at one point, they all have either in or Karma or, um, what's his face? Dozel. Dozel. they're, They're each thinking of one of those guys. But then it's funny how, like you say, ultimately they all sort of, it's funny how the thought balloons eventually all congregate on Gar- Garma, you know, by the end of it. Because once they hear more information, you know, they're kind of like, oh, yes, it must be Garma. And I'm kind of like, oh, okay. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I thought that was kind of
0: funny. I guess they're, they're, they are they're they fall in line, I guess, with Char, where they think, like, Garma's just a silly, like, stupid rich kid or whatever who would think up something yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
0: But yeah, yeah, I, like like you said, I I like, this is a nice little like spotlight episode for for Harrison, basically. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that, it's, it, I think it's, it's should, should should we talk about how Tobia like eventually like helps out and distracts like the monkeys in the in the mobile suits? Yes, yes. It's like he, he they inflate like I guess one of the cloaks or something or some balloons and spray paint them yellow. So like the X one is like dragging around, like, a giant, like, fake b- batch of bananas. Yeah, it's like,
1: it's like, this fake satchel of gigantic bananas, which, like, apparently works because all the monkeys, like, eventually, like, just, they stop being new types and pilots and everything and they just turn into monkeys that dig bananas. And when they all go for it, it's like, I'm sorry, monkey. And then they, like, <laughs> oh, monkey.
0: And they, they, they spare the monkeys. They don't kill them. They, they're like, we're gonna stop these monkeys, and we're not gonna kill them.
1: What do they do with the monkeys?
0: I don't know. Yeah, it's like, what happens to these monkeys now? I don't know. Questions for another time. Okay. Yeah, but
1: so I mean, I I don't know. Like overall, I I thought this wasn't bad at all. Like I I I mean, you know, I enjoyed all of the stories. I, I think some of them I preferred more than others but i mean i will say that that i i think it's kind of funny because because gundam kind of had a cartoony style to it but the whole tone of it was was overly you know it was very serious you know it had to do with genocide and politics and all, all kinds of you know patricide like all this all this kind of stuff you know heavy heavy topics and this i think Even though, you know, there are some serious things here and there, I think overall, this is much lighter hearted. Like, it's kind of like a romp, you know?
0: Yeah. It's
1: kind of, it's kind of a, it's not a world away from the original book, but it's like, it's just enough that it's like, okay, well, this is, this is more kind of, you know, fun, frothy stuff. and, And it's not, not quite as heavy. Like, you can, you can pick it up, you can read it, and then you can put it down and sort of get about it I think yeah so that's I mean that that's kind of my take on it I mean if, if I had to say one thing I, I mean I don't know because because after this point I actually haven't read any of the sequelizations of Crossbone Gundam so I don't know what happens after this but the, the only thing I would say is that like I would have liked to maybe see more of Bernadette like she she's there but it's like one of those, I, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to get into this, you know, I'm sure no, I'm sure no girls listen to this anyway, but, but it's just like, I don't want to get into the whole women in refrigerators thing, but it's just like, she was a pretty important part of the original Crossbone Gundam manga, and in this, it's almost like, you know, she's, she is like, you know, Meg Ryan in the doors, like, she's an ornament, like, she's there, but you kind of forget she's there. Like, it's like she's just there in the background, and it's yeah. like, Tobia, I think, okay? It's like, yeah, I'm fine.
0: Yeah. You know, like,
1: that's basically what she did.
0: Yeah, so. it's like, I think the most she gets is, like, like, maybe, like, she gets, like, a little, like, jealous look at Twink when Twink and Tobia are together, basically, yeah. where I yeah. thought for a second they were, like, going to set up some kind of, like, love triangle or something, but, like, it didn't really happen. Yeah.
1: I guess, it, you know, it would be funny as if Toby actually had to have the conversation he had with Kinkato, the, the conversation he had with Kinkato, if he had to have that conversation with Harrison. Because <laughs> then in Harrison's case, it, it'd be affirmative. It'd be like, you're not into, uh, Starlight Princess, are you? And it's kinda like, it's kinda like, <laughs> actually, yes, yes I am. You know, and it's like, then, then he'd have even more sweat drops on his face. Yeah. Right?
0: I know. It's, well, it's kind of hard to tell how old everyone is, but like Harrison, like looks older. But I don't know. In some shots, he looks like apparently he has like grayish hair, so like yeah, you think was, he'd so. be like in his thirties or his forties. But I don't know. Like sometimes they draw him like maybe I was thinking maybe no more than late twenties or something. But yeah, well, yeah. So yeah,
1: I guess I guess whatever whatever helps you sleep at night. <laughs> yeah, <know>? basically, <laughs> yeah. Basically, like take it that way, I suppose. I mean, overall, like, it's kind of a fun story. Like, you know, they don't delve too much into that. So, so there's not much to, uh, to, uh, hurt your brain, I guess, or, or your feel bads or whatever like that. And, um, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that we, we get to cover this. I mean, I think I, I, the next thing after that is what, Steel 7? Yeah. And then it, is Ghost after that,
0: or I think so. Yeah, it goes like Steel okay. Seven, then Crossbone, Ghost. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe next time we get together, we can we can do a follow up and talk about Steel Seven and, and and Ghost and things like that. So, but I mean, I think this kind of wraps things up for for this episode of of Mobile Suit Mondays. I mean, I feel like we covered all the. Individual little snippets and, and, and segments and everything, and I, I thought for the most part they were all pretty fun.
0: Yeah, I, I enjoyed <laughs> it. Yeah, it's like like a, like I said in in like American comic terms, I guess it was like reading like a sort of like mini series or something.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of those you know the 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 kind of series where they just have it's an anthology or they just have a bunch of shortened vignettes. I mean, it's like. you know, it's kind of like the Slingers. Well, I guess that's a bad example. The Slingers did have their own series, but you know,
0: like somebody
1: its like a a bunch of side characters that maybe couldn't carry their own series, but they all could show up in Marvel Comics Presents or something, you know, like that kind of thing where you're like, Oh, okay. You know, it's all a bunch of, you know, uh, uh, you know, yes, it's got the the main, you know, Tobia and everything. But I think in the last one, your main draw was Kinkato, you know, C book basically was the, you know, one of the other leads besides Tobia, and then he eventually, you know, came to full prominence. So now, you know, the main guy that you have to focus on the most is, is probably Tobia, but he didn't, he didn't hog all the spotlight from all these other supporting cast members, so you get to see a little bit of, of everything and all these different vignettes and stuff. But I guess that wraps things up for tonight's episode of Fan Holes, Mobile Suit Mondays. If you've got any comments, questions, concerns, if you don't like that Harrison is a char and you want to send us some angry, angry emails, you can email Fanholspodcast at gmail.com. We, of course, are on fanholspodcasts.blogspot.com. That's where we post all our stuff on a regular basis. We are on Podbean. We're on Stitcher Radio, so you can stream the podcast there. And we are on all kinds of social media. We're on Facebook, so thank you for all the likes on the various shows, whether they be FanHoles Mobile Suit Mondays or our proper FanHoles podcast shows or any of the other side shows, such as Toku Thursdays, Transformers Tuesdays, and Sentai Saturdays. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek W.C., signing off.
0: Hey, it's Mike, signing off.
1: M30 apes.